Shock Monkey Radio is entertainment for adults, by adults, and the views and opinions expressed here do not reflect upon the sponsors or FXBG Public Radio. For additional information, please refer to the United States Bill of Rights. Stand warned. Hello and welcome. I had a dream last night. I was at a beach house. Then I heard my friend John laughing upstairs. Then I heard the sound of a blender. I woke up immediately thinking, daiquiris. Imagine my disappointment. Maybe I have an alcohol problem. I only want to get up for cocktails. Welcome to Shock Monkey Radio. I am your host, The Madman. And I want to remind you to go over to patreon.com slash shockmonkeyradio. Become a patron. I would appreciate it very much. We use, we use every dollar wisely. I promise you. I promise you. If you want to send me money through Cash App, use hashtag shockmonkeyradio. Uh, if you want to send me money through Cash App, you can also drop me a line there. Or you can email me at madmanfxbgpr.com. Maybe I'll put you in the mailbag. Um, you know, the more I think about it, I don't, I don't think I have an alcohol problem. See, I was in the Navy. I've known people with real alcohol problems. Also, for some reason, I think about the early 1900s where fresh, clean water was a rarity. And even children were drinking beer and liquor after they got off their shifts. <laughs> because that was the best way to avoid things like cholera and dysentery. So brewing and distillation allowed the Industrial Revolution to happen. So quit bad-mouthing alcohol. It's the lifeblood of human progress and labor. I don't know why I feel a need to defend alcohol today. No one's accused me of being an alcoholic in years, so go figure. You know, the night before that, I had a dream about that I was on the school bus in this, uh, uh, I was in high school, and this girl asked me if I had memorized my lines for a grant presentation. And I was like, Ulysses S. Grant? That grant? And I, I searched my memory. It's like, I have no grant quotes in my head. And then I realized, oh, wait, I haven't been in high school in decades. And so, I don't know. <laughs> Dreams are stupid. I don't know why I'm telling you about it. Provolone is not cheese. I don't know how many times I have to make this argument before it gets through to you people. But provolone is not cheese. It's filler. It's the baloney of cheese. It's flavorless and pointless, and I hate it. Cheese is supposed to have a flavor, and provolone has no flavor. Asiago, Parmesan, and mozzarella are all better choices. But don't put provolone on sandwiches like a caveman. For the love of Pete, the first pope, stop putting provolone on Philly cheesesteaks. In Philly, they use Cheese Whiz, which is only slightly less disgusting than provolone. American cheese works best on cheesesteaks, in my humble opinion. Oh, you think American cheese isn't real cheese? You may be right about that, but at least American cheese has a flavor and therefore a purpose. When I'm in the grocery store and I see provolone in the cheese section, my blood boils. It doesn't belong there. If not there, madman, where should they put the provolone? Next to the toilet paper and tissues. I'm certain provolone would serve more of a purpose wiping butts than as a food. In fact, provolone would be better than most toilet papers. So quit trying to pass off provolone as cheese and quit trying to force provolone on me when you clearly don't know Monterey Jack about cheese. It was a good rant. E e it was a good rant, UK said? It was Gouda. It was Gouda rant. <laughs> Damn it. Now I got to have that awkward silence <laughs> for when I make the clip later. <laughs> Anyway, <clears throat> I don't know you ever go, go on that deep a dive on cheese. 
<laughs> you ever accidentally put cheese? It's like, I'll give provolone a shot, and then you realize you hate it. <laughs> only on Italian stuff. Only, only on Italian stuff? For provolone? I got you. So uh, I watched Black Sails. Uh, I know it's an older series, but I just recently watched it. I've put, been putting it off. I don't know why. But anyway, so I watched this series over the last couple of weeks, and I have to say that I really liked it. Uh, I got pirate blood in me. An ancestor of mine was hanged in Yorktown for piracy. I'm kind of proud of that for some reason. Uh, it's not like I was a pirate, you know. Uh, so I guess this series is supposed to be like a prequel to Treasure Island, but I don't care. You know, I didn't like that book. But I like this series. Uh, first of all, I am head over heels in love with Anne Bonny. Clara Paget is her real name, and yes, she's gorgeous. She's got that weird alien look that some British women have, and uh, but mostly I love her attitude. She's always sneering and scowling in the series, and all I want to do is put a smile on that face. <clears throat> Plus, I think, I think she could do much better in terms of lovers, uh, even though I do like Jack Rackham. He's a likable character. Um, but, you know, Anne could do better, like me. <laughs> Um, and if any of these names sound familiar, that's because these are the names of real pirates at the gold, end of the golden age of piracy. Uh, obviously, these people are pirates, and they shouldn't be likable, but 90% of the characters I really hate. I hate Captain Flint, not because he's gay, but because he's a real jerk. I would never sail with Flint, especially when they went over two weeks with no wind, and they had to reduce rations, but Flint said some people should get full rations so they can get underway once the w wind returns. That would make me want to mutiny and be happy to die for the sake of fairness. Fucking officers. And that's not the only thing that pisses me off about Flint. I can go on and on about what a tool he is. But British Navy officers have always been tools, and that is the number one reason why people chose to become pirates and why pirates elect their officers instead of officers being appointed because they had a classic ed education and a powdered wig. I'm also not a fan of Long John Silver, and not just because fast food seafood is a lawsuit waiting to happen, but because he is also a selfish tool who is constantly pissed off at Flint for being a selfish tool. So on a case-by-case -case basis, I am frequently forced to side with Silver over Flint. So one voyage on the Walrus, which is a stupid name for a ship, one voyage on the Walrus, and I would never sail with those assholes again. I would move on to Charles Vane's crew, maybe. But we don't see much of how Vane, uh, uh, Vane and his crew roll when they're at sea. Charles Vane is another real pirate, by the way. But like many, many of these historical pieces... Um, there's, uh, there's a lot of creative license that takes place, and those pirates, like, it's like, you know, those pirates never met in real life. Uh, you know, that one was hanged, but not in Nassau, but in Port Royal, you know, etc. Et uh, and uh, Nassau is the port of call in the series, New Providence Island, a place I visited when I was in the Navy, and that's a tiny friggin' island, all right? But it seems huge in the series. <clears throat> uh, lots of black people in the Bahamas, uh, obviously. I mean, there's... Uh, and it's just like the series depicts lots of ex-slaves got involved in piracy. Uh, pirates were, were progressive in many ways. Like the color of your skin doesn't make you a good gunner's mate or a good bosun. You know, if you could pull your weight, you could stay aboard. I always like that about pirates. The democracy is interesting too. However, this series also covers the dangers of true democracy, mob rule. If 51% of the crew wants to rape and murder and steal, well, guess what? Uh, what's, what's Tim Pool say all the time? Two wolves and a lamb uh, deciding on what's for dinner? Or maybe that's Ben Franklin. Anyway, let's talk about these awful 
awful females in this show. I mentioned Anne Bonnie because I'm in love with her. Uh, but she's also a vicious killer and sometimes kills without much of a good reason. Um, but the other women in this show are just disgusting, even though some of, some of them are, are very hot. Max, for example, is a smoke show, but she's a lying, conniving, evil wench. She deals in secrets and is so untrustworthy that I'm shocked anyone speaks to her at all. Then there's Guthrie, uh, this Guthrie wench. <laughs> Eleanor Guthrie is the fence. She buys and sells the stolen goods that pirates steal. And so she just bangs the leader of the most powerful faction in port at any given time. That's what she does. And if you maintain power in Nassau long enough, you may even be able to marry her. If you ask me, she's the highest priced whore on the island. Anything. She will do anything to save her own skin and wealth. I hate her the most. Uh, I kept praying every single episode that please die. Please someone kill her. <laughs> every single episode. Uh, Miranda Barlow, she's a cute older lady who had a very, very twisted relationship with Captain Flint and her husband. But hey, you know, pirates are progressive. Uh, anyway, there's only two characters I really like, and that's Anne Bonnie and Calico Jack Rackham. Uh, I love Anne for being gorgeous, uh, a gorgeous badass, and I love Jack because he also loves Anne, and he's got a style and a sense of humor and talks a lot. And believe it or not, I do like people who talk a lot. Uh, you know, that means I don't have to. <laughs> you know, now that I think about it, there's also um, the Maroons, the runaway slaves. Uh, I like them. Their leaders are very quite like quite likable and honorable. So there's only like four characters I like in the entire show. So Black Sails uh, is the star's promotion it's 11 of 13 stars not a single black sail to be seen in the entire series but the whitest teeth i've ever seen on pirates they must have the best dentist in the new world in nassau all right sorry the fbi is going to be listening to this next part from ruby ridge to ottawa to dc in August of 1992, a bunch of federal agencies surrounded the Weaver property in northern Idaho. The reason these federal agencies did this is because they had a warrant for Randy Weaver, the patriarch of the family, on federal gun charges. I understand that the Weaver family wanted to stay away from our society and government because most of us are jerks. However, I do believe that Randy Weaver was wrong to not show up to his summons to court. After all, Jesus said, Render unto Caesar what is Caesar, render unto God what is God's. And no, mat no matter how isolationist you, may, you want to be, you are still subject to the laws of the land. The Weavers were in the wrong in that regard. So these federal agencies, the FBI, the ATF, and the U.S. Marshals surrounded their property. They set up snipers, and all, and all this took place over a little over a week in a quote-unquote standoff with the Weaver family. On August 21st, U.S. Marshals with military equipment were scouting the private property of the Weaver family. The Marshals threw rocks at or near their cabin to see if it would alert their family's dogs, which it did. The dogs alerted the family, and two young men followed their dog to investigate, hoping for game because that's how they lived out there. Instead, they found U.S. Marshals, and they watched as they shot their dog dead. Stryker was the name of their yellow lab that they killed. The 14-year-old son of Randy Weaver, Sammy, fired at the feds. After all, they just shot his dog. And that is a hostile act on the part of the feds. Kevin Harris, a friend of the family, also shot at the feds as the firefight ensued 
which resulted in the death of U.S. Marshal and Sammy, the 14-year-old boy. They shot him in the back as he was running away. The next day, I think it was, an FBI sniper shot and killed Randy's wife, Vicky. All this happened at the beginning of the standoff, and eventually the rest of the family uh, surrendered and Harris and Weaver were arrested. And history remembers the Weavers as being in the wrong. And sure, I agree that Randy Weaver should have showed up for court. But the feds were even more wrong for intentionally provoking the family or their dogs to force a confrontation. And due to the media's extensive coverage of this standoff, the feds probably felt like they couldn't let it look like that they lost, under, uh, lost the game uh, under this kind of scrutiny of the media. In hindsight, there are plenty of the other things that the feds could have done to apprehend Wan Randy Weaver and not kill anyone they weren't looking for. They called this incident, a vi uh, this incident which is a violation of America's per personal per Americans' personal property rights, Ruby Ridge, perhaps you heard of it. The next year, in 1993, Freds, feds around the area of Waco, Texas, had learned about a compound in Mount Carmel that had been getting deliveries of weapons and even grenades. They also learned that over the last few years, a weird guy named David Koresh had been building a cult around himself in order to serve his own perverse needs. He married multiple women within his, within his quote, mode, church, and was apparently having sex with minors as well. David Koresh was a weird, perverted dude. Don't get me wrong. And I don't think that they should have they should have had things like grenades or fully automatic rifles. And these are the reasons why feds ended up getting into another long standoff with these Branch Davidians, as they were called. Again, the media covered this extensively during the 51 day standoff with the feds and the Davidians. Again, the feds felt like they couldn't lose in front of the media. So they stormed the compound with effing tanks in order to save these quote mode poor children inside. This absolute debacle resulted in over 80 deaths, and the feds ended up looking like assholes anyway. This incident was called the Waco Siege. And you know how all these criminal deaths were paid for? With your tax dollars. You paid for this. In 1995, a couple of weirdos named Timothy McVeigh and Terry Nichols planted a bomb at a federal building in Oklahoma City, which killed 168 people, including 19 children. Timothy said that Ruby Ridge and Waco scared him of the federal government's overreach. McVeigh was actually at the Waco siege and saw it with his own eyes. Now listen close because I don't want there to be any mistake. Ignoring a court summons is wrong. Buying illegal weapons is wrong. Having sex with minors is wrong. Blowing up a building is wrong. But the way the federal government and her agency, agencies handled situations like Ruby Ridge and Waco is an even, even greater evil because lots of people died who didn't need to. And the failures of said federal agencies in some small way led to the radicalization of Timothy McVeigh and Terry Nichols. So when I, when I see what I see coming out of Canada, when I read the news stories coming out of the tundra up there, I'm scared out of my mind because these are the results of a federal government that has grown too large. I know Canada is not like the US, but they have a similar federalist objective. Plus, there is a trucker convoy that's coming here in the U.S. today. I think that's starting today. So when I see what's going on in Canada, I am worried about this kind of thing uh, that will be coming to us for us soon because of these liberal, federalist fascists that think they have the power to ignore civil rights and pro uh, property rights of, the of their constituents because, quote, mode, the federal government can do no wrong. And the idea that some of my tax dollars went to buy the bullets that killed American citizens in Idaho or Texas makes me sick to my stomach. 
When the people fear the government, that is tyranny. When the government fears the people, that is liberty. Jefferson. I usually support the police, but I expect them to uphold their oath, oaths to the Constitution and not follow illegal Gestapo orders. For God's sakes, if Reagan were president, we'd be smuggling weapons to truckers in Canada. Just thinking out loud. A little tense in the room, huh? I dated a girl in a wheelchair once. Uh, I was hanging out with my friend Jonathan. He was uh, the guy I had a dream about. Uh, I was hanging out with him. He lived up in Centerville, Virginia. And I'd frequently go from Fredericksburg up to Centerville, hang out with him. And uh, uh, I was on, like, you know, uh, Match.com at the time. And I met this girl, right? And she had, like, all these pictures. And I was like, that's a really cute girl. Like, you know. And she liked me back. And I was like, oh, that's really cool. And she was up there in that Centerville area. And uh, uh, so we, we sent some messages and stuff, you know, back and forth. And so I went, uh, uh, went to go meet her one time. And uh, she gave me her address. I went to go meet her this, the very first time. <clears throat> and it was up, up in Centerville. We had made plans to go out to this restaurant and have some drinks. It's more of a club, really. It's called Velocity 5. I don't know if you've been up there in Centerville. Uh, but it's right there near this like little like retain, retention pond. And it's got a like walkway around it with trees on it. It's nice. And so uh, I went to go pick her up. And I stopped at the front, uh, the front door. And as I'm looking at the front door, it's like there's a wheelchair ramp. Then all of a sudden, all the pictures of her Match.com profile flipped through my mind. They're all from, like, mid-sternum up, and she's always seated. And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> we, it never came up, right? So I, I'm not a total dick and walk away or anything. So I went up and knocked on the door. And, you know, her, her, uh, her mom was there. She opened the door and said, hey, you're Scott? You know, I was like, yeah. <laughs> Come on in. And I went and met her, and she's in a wheelchair. She was in a uh, wounded in Iraq, and uh, she's a veteran, you know. So we we hit it off. That's how you know <laughs> ex military people they get a rapport. They can hit it off. But she's a veteran, you know. And I was like, and she's really cute. And I figured, hey, you know, I started thinking, you know, could I date a girl in a wheelchair? And you know, eventually I came to the answer, yeah. Like I guess I could. You know, I don't know what be in it for her. I mean, I'm not that special, <laughs> you know. Uh, but that would be my only question. But yeah. I'm not the kind of dick that's going to say, oh, I didn't know you're in a wheelchair. I'm out. You know, that's that's not the kind of thing to do. So uh, we had to, like, go over this situation about, like, folding up the chair, putting it in my car and, like, you know, getting her in and getting her out of the car and stuff like that. And I was like, oh, okay, do I get the little placard? <laughs> and I did. I could use that. <laughs> I got through the handicap parking. And so we went out to this bar, Velocity 5, and we went out and had some drinks and had laughing, having a good time. We're getting a little buzzed. But uh, – uh, it was like quiet when we got there, but then like the night started coming in and the music started getting cranked up and people started dancing, a lot of noise and stuff like that. And she's like, I I'd kind of like to talk more. You want to take a walk or something? And I was like, sure. So I took her in a chair and I pushed her and uh, right outside the bar is this uh, uh, big, you know, sidewalk that goes around this retention pond, a bunch of trees, beautiful. And so uh, I pushed her and we start walking and I'm talking around this, this pond and having a great conversation, we come up to this bench, this bench, uh, park bench, sitting there under a tree with like a, a branch coming like way down over us and a little bit over the water. It was, it was kind of nice, a nice little spot. And she was like, let's sit down here. It was kind of quiet, no one around. She's like, oh, you can pick me up, put me on the bench. So I went and her, picked her up, put her on the bench, sat next to her. We talked a little bit more. And next thing she did, she's leaning in and trying to kiss me. And we start making out for a little bit, you know. 
quiet part, quiet part of the area, you know, not a whole lot of people around, you know, her shirt comes off, <laughs> you know, it starts getting really hot. You know what I'm saying? Next thing I know, you know, uh, you know, Mr. 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 Happy's out, you know, and she's climbing, climbing on top of me. All right. And so we start doing it right there on this park bench there in Centerville. And so uh, we're, we're going at it. And then like in the middle of it, she reaches up and she grabs a hold of the tree branch. And she starts doing pull-ups. And I was like, oh, my God, ex-military sex. It was amazing. It was amazing. And she's, she's pull, doing pull-ups on the, on the tree branch. And I'm gra I got her noodle legs and I'm pulling her legs. I'm pulling her legs just like I'm pulling your legs. That's a bullshit story. I don't, I don't get to have sex. <laughs> anyway, let's go ahead and get to the news worth doing. I want to lighten the mood. You got that stinger there, buddy? <clears throat> All right, so obviously the big news is the Russia-Ukraine thing. Uh, Putin's army is ready as they can be. All right, let's hit the fast facts. Of course, I'm going to Fox News, and they got live updates being uh, put out for this. Uh, Ukraine's uh, Ministry of Foreign Affairs is warning its citizens across the border in Russia to depart immediately today as uncertainty surrounds Russia, Russia's uh, next military moves. Uh, Russia has over 190,000 troops along the Ukrainian border. That's according to the U.S. And the Ukrainian Foreign Minister, uh, Dmitryo Kuleba, forgive me, has told the United Nations Wednesday in New York that we are at a crucial juncture in world history and our actions today define, define it for decades to come. That's kind of caustic to say, don't you think? Anyway, <laughs> it's a, I don't know. Um, yeah, so obviously it's a kind of scary, big mess over there. Uh, as you know, Putin, you know, he says he's annexing these areas uh, because liberating them, as they say. You know, they, they don't really conquer territory anymore. They just liberate it. It's like, oh, you you want to be free? Yeah, we got to send your, send our troops in, I guess. You voted for it? You know? Yeah, so, uh, all right, let's just go through these headlines here. Uh, Russian forces uh, surrounding Ukraine, they are ready to go. They're all poised, you know. Senior uh, U, U.S. defense official said Wednesday that Russian troops have arrayed around Ukraine and Belarus and are as ready as they can be. We believe that he, Mr. Putin, and his forces are as ready as they can be, and they have, they have uncoiled. They're ready to go. It is our assessment that he is fully prepared to conduct a large-scale invasion, and that, is not, and that is a likely option, the official added. We would assess that about 80% of their forces are in what we would consider forward positions ready to go. Wow, how many times can you say the same thing over and over, dude? Okay, let's go to the next thing. Turkey joins course rejecting Russia's recognition of Ukraine rebel regions. Jeez, Louise. So Turkey is a NATO member, and it uh, shares a Black Sea border with Russia and Ukraine, and says the decision of the uh, Russian Federation to recognize the so-called Donetsk and Luhansk republics constitutes a clear violation of UK Ukraine's political unity, sovereignty, and territory territorial integrity. Oh, I read that wrong. I thought they were on Russia's side. My mistake. All right, so yeah. <clears throat> See, that's the thing. It's like uh, the. Russia views NATO as a, a threat, and that's what they've been saying. They view NATO as a threat because of Western ideologies and a lot of, you know, NATO nations, you know, North Atlantic Treaty Organization. You know, Russia's not really on, in the North Atlantic. It's it's northern part, <laughs> most northern part of the Atlantic. So cold that you can't have a naval port there. <laughs> anyway, so uh, 
Yeah, plenty of other NATO nations are, you know, uh, pledging to sanction Russia and stuff like that. Yeah, lawmakers urge Biden to get uh, congressional approval before stationing U.S. troops in Ukraine. Now, I'm a, I'm all for that. All right, I think way too often uh, the military move, <clears throat> moves on on uh, executive branch behalf. And, you know, we haven't declared war um, in the Constitution. Congress has to declare war. <clears throat> we haven't had that since uh, uh, the World War II. And even then, that was Japan. And then, like, going after Germany, North Africa, what's going on? <laughs> you know, Japan attacked us. They're like, Look, we need to declare war on Japan. We vote, they voted for it. And they're like, oh, let's attack Germans in North Africa. Yeah, <laughs> that makes sense. This is very some kind of, you know, it's kind of like uh, Iraq, you know, like we're going to chase Al-Qaeda into Afghanistan or invade in Iraq. What? <laughs> anyway, so that's why this is just the way this silly, violent, deadly game is played these days. Uh, yeah. So U.S. ambassador says now is not the time to sit on the sidelines. U.S. ambassador to the U.N. Linda Thomas Greenfield is urging members of the General Assembly Wednesday to get off the sidelines and let us uh, together show Russia that uh it is isolated and alone in its aggressive actions. Uh, yeah, I don't know. You know, what's going to become of that? So, I mean, UN is just, it's such a useless thing. I think we need to get rid of it. It, it doesn't do anything. You know, and NATO does more. <laughs> you know? And so, and it's because of the Security Council, and it's all, it's all because of veto power. You know, everyone that's on the Security Council has veto power. You know, nothing goes if they say no. And that's just ridiculous. I was like, that's uh, people say filibusters are a waste of time. It's like, you know, having a UN with a with veto <laughs> veto power <laughs> is, is a waste of time. Anyway, uh, yeah, U.S. ambassador warns UN members from giving Russia a pass on Ukraine. Same kind of thing. So you know, Chinese media accidentally post Communist Party rules on Russia Ukraine news. Hint: Taiwan takeover. Jeez, Louise. You know, this is what I've been talking about. This is what everyone has been worried about is that, you know, once Russia makes a move into Ukraine, then China's going to be going after, going, looking at Taiwan, especially if, you know, nobody does anything about it. And, if, you know, it's unfortunate that, you know, Biden's in office and that, you know, that means I think we all know Jill Biden's, Jill Biden is running the country. We all know that, don't we? And so, you know, people, and that makes us look weak. It's not, not just because it's, you know, uh, Joe Biden, we all know Joe Biden's running the country. It's that Biden himself is too weak to even stand up to his wife. And so, I mean, and plus, you know, he's a Democrat, you know, and it seems like the Democrats are trying to distract from all their nonsense, you know, all their bad press that they've been getting. And so, uh, uh, you know, they, they're just trying to, for some reason, like Democrats think like going to war uh, for an easy boost in the polls is a viable option. You know, when, when George Bush, when we went into war in Iraq and Afghanistan, when George Bush did his thing, he didn't do it, you know, to distract from everyone calling him a doofus, you know, because I still get called him a doofus afterwards. All right. We had just been attacked. What do you, what do you expect the United States to do? Do something, a direct attack. It's not like, you know, uh, getting involved in a war half, you know, half a world away. All right. And this, this is what I got to be honest with you, Ukrainians. I'm sorry. We have to deal with our own tyrants here. I'm sorry if you're that close to Putin. He's a real tyrant. I get it. He's a dick. All right. 
but we got tyrants here. We got Justin Trudeau in Canada. You know, we got Biden here in this uh, liberal machine that is the uh, that is like the world media. You know, we're all dealing with that problem in many ways. It's like the biasness of, of media. The bias of media. You know, we have our own tyrants to worry about. No offense, Ukraine. I mean, if in a perfect world, I would love to help you. But I just, I don't trust our commander in chief to handle something that is strategically important. You know, he'd poop himself. Anyway, let's go on to this next story. Uh, trucker convoy aims to shut D.C.'s Capitol Beltways this week, organizer says. This news comes out of Washington, Fox News 5, uh, D.C., fox5dc.com. An organizer, one of the truck convoys headed to D.C. later this week, says there, there are plans to shut down the Capitol Beltway. Quote, we'll be along the Beltway where the Beltway will be shut down, Bob Bolas said in an interview on Sunday. Bullis owns a truck parts and towing business in Scranton. He said he plans to leave Pennsylvania Wednesday morning, drive through D.C., then head to the Beltway. Quote, I'll give you an analogy of that giant boa constrictor. That of a giant boa constrictor, Bullis said. That basically squeezes you, chokes you, and swallows you. And that's what we're going to do to D.C. Do to the D.C. Anyway. They really interview the brightest minds among them, don't they? <laughs> anyway, Fox 5's uh, Lindy, Lindsay Watts asked Bolas if he understood the impact of those trying to get to work and risk and the risk to those in need of emergency responders. Quote, there will be a lane for emergency vehicles. They'll be able to get in and out and all that. But we will not compromise anyone's safety or health in one way or another. As far as they, as far as they, as far as if they can get to work, geez, that's too bad. <clears throat> when asked if he was prepared to be arrested, Bolas said he did not intend to be. Bolas uh, said it's unclear how many will be with him, but he's heard interest from hundreds of people. Uh, truckers in Canada shut down Ottawa over COVID-19 mandates, but Bolas, a longtime Trump supporter, says issues here are, uh, are more wide-ranging from fuel prices to school vaccine requirements to immigration. Fox 5 was the first to report on how D.C. police are mobilizing ahead of the protests, limiting time, for the off uh, limiting time off for officers and putting nearly 500 officers on on civil disturbance units uh, daily starting Wednesday. Police Chief Robert Conti said Friday, uh, said Friday police were working with their federal partners, partners. Quote, there will be disruptions of traffic, that kind of thing, Conti said. I think we need to be very candid uh, with the public about some of the expectations based upon what we've seen in Ottawa. There are multiple groups planning truck convoys to D.C., and it's unclear how long the protests will last. Bullis said that he plans to stay a day or two, and he's heard... Uh, about other convoys also planning to target the Beltway and block traffic. Fox 5 asked state police in Virginia and Maryland if they have heard those plans. Uh, quote, MS MSP is aware and has been in contact with our law enforcement partners in the region, said MSP in a statement. The Virginia State Police, this is a quote, uh, has been and continues to monitor the situation and continues to communicate with our na national cap capital region, local, state, and federal partners. This is a standard practice anytime and there's a, a potential exists for a significant protest that could disrupt a safe and efficient flow of traffic in Virginia on Virginia highways. All right. So, um, yeah, they're going to try this thing that they did in Ottawa. You know, it's like we're copycat. And then and I guess it's OK. But I mean, you know, a lot of this country is kind of uh, uh, easing restrictions already. Uh, so I don't know how necessary this is, but I mean, I, I support them. If that's what they want to do, even though I know, you know traffic in my region may, may get bad over the next week. I understand that. I'm a suburb of D.C. They're going to see a lot of trucks. And, um, it, you know, nonviolent, peaceful protest 
you know, civil disobedience. I, I think that's okay when it comes to protesting. I think you should be cognizant of people trying to get to church. I'd rather you just be like pulled off on the side of the road on the beltway or something like that, or somewhere, you know, you're not blocking emergency lanes or anything like that and just ha have signs. I think that's way better, way better thing to do because, you know, it's, it's getting quite lax in terms of like the COVID regulations here in the U.S. It's not like Canada. You know, um, uh, if you watch those uh, like those people freaking out over mass videos on YouTube, you hear a lot of Canadian voices, a lot of Australian voices, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, I mean, it's a, you know, it, it's really loosening up here, but I think, I, I, I think the, the, the statement needs to be made in many ways. Anyway, let's go on to this next story. Uh, Kentucky mom who resisted school mask mandates says she was fighting for her child. So Risa Bankston of Murray, Kentucky, uh, battled mask mandates at her son's preschool uh, through a large portion through the large through a large portion of the coronavirus pandemic, and said doing her research and and said doing her research and standing up for a little boy got her through the struggles. While Governor Andy Bashir, Democrat, issued an executive order uh, last August mandating masks in Kentucky schools, this month he advised schools to continue the masking policies. Today, many school districts in the bluegrass state are relaxing the mask requirements. Bankston, 31, has strong feelings about uh, what happened to her family. Quote, I haven't ever felt like masks work. People are still getting sick, Bankston told Fox News Digital in a phone interview expressing her opinion. Uh, she has a five-year-old son, Deacon, and she and her boyfriend also have a 10-month-old baby. The mom's struggle with the Callaway County School started when uh, Deacon began preschool in September of 2021, she said. Uh, during the second week of school, parents received an email that masks were mandatory for children, Bankston said. Quote, right away, Deacon said he couldn't breathe while wearing the mask, she said. Uh, Bankston said her son had constant, consistent bounce of, bouts of anxiety and crying about wearing masks at school, too. Uh, quote, there is no independent evidence that mask, this is uh, in a, uh, parenthetically, there is no independent evidence that masking caused the ch child's anxiety. <laughs> Covered in their ass, I guess. Uh, she said she talked straight to him. I explained to my son that he has rights and he didn't have to wear a mask if he didn't want to. These are mandates, not laws. Uh, the school, however, put a mask on her son despite her concerns, Bankston said. After that, quote, I told them that they were not to physically touch my child unless he's hurt someone or he's hurt himself, she said. She said school staff told the students, if you don't wear a mask, you'll get in trouble at home. This was confusing to her son, she noted, since Deacon knew his mom's clear position on mask wearing. <laughs> Jeez, Louise. Uh, Bankston told Fox News Digital that while many, many staff members were kind and helpful during the mandate, she said she, she, she said she relied on logic when speaking with them. Quote, what's the real point of mass, she said. She asked the principal of, and other administrators. They, the students, have them on while they're at their desks, Bankston noted, but they were walking through hallways without them. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, it's so ridiculous. Bankston also said she challenged the mask rules when she learned that uh, the children didn't need to wear masks outdoors at school. Even when playing outside, she said kids get in each other's faces. <laughs> On September 29th, 2021, Bankston said she received a hand-delivered letter from a superintendent's office after she sent her son to school without a mask. The Bankston said the superintendent himself brought the, uh, brought the letter, and she shared the letter's full contest with Fox, Fox News Digital. Um, Okay, the letter said in part that if she refused to put a mask on her son and refused to pick, up, uh, 
pick him up when he was in violation of the mandate, the school would need to pursue any and all remedies available, including contacting family services, quote, to ensure the child was placed in a safe environment because he could not attend our school unmasked without a valid medical waiver. Among its other points, the superintendent said he respected the mom's right to her to an opinion, but was duty bound to enforce the school mask mandate. The superintendent got loud with me on my own doorstep, Bankston uh, related to Fox News Digital. I said, this conversation is over. You're not going to intimidate me. You don't scare me. I'm fighting for my child. Fox News Digital uh, reached out to the superintendent for comment uh, about the details of the story. Ryan Marchette Marchetti, director of professional development and public relations for, or the, for the Callaway, schools, uh, Callaway County Schools, he did, not, uh, he, did, he did not address the family's individual instance, but wrote in an email statement, throughout the pandemic, we have followed the guidance from health agencies and have complied with requirements from state and federal authorities. He also wrote, as of today, February 21st, 2022, in our school district, face coverings are required on buses due to federal mandate. Face coverings are also required in our area technology center by, by state mandate. Marchetti added that the preschool face coverings are optional for students and have not been required since early January. Jeez Louise, what a crazy, crazy bunch of people. Those people, like, it makes no sense. They have to wear them in the class, but in the hallways, they're all coughing each other. Like, that's where people catch colds. <laughs> it, makes, it makes absolutely no sense, and this lady, you know, is absolutely in her rights. And I can't believe that people are still on about this. You know, COVID's well in hand. It's okay now. It's just another, another aspect of the flu. Anyway, let's go on to, let's move to New York City. New York City fare beaters on bus subway lines are costing taxpayers millions. Nearly 30% of New York City bus riders and 88% of subway users aren't paying their fare, costing the city millions of dollars a year, according to the new data released by the state-operated Metro, uh, Metropolitan Transit Authority, Transportation Authority. Uh, a Fox News digital videographer captured footage of waves of fare beaters in Midtown Manhattan, climbing over turnstiles and streaming through an exit door, many in view of transit cops. This is messed up. I know, it's so messed up. Well, what's messed up is that it's a false number. What do you mean? No, they can't know how many. No, but whether there's one person on the train or a hundred people on the train, the cost to the city is the same. Yes. Sure. So the fare beaters are costing this. No, they're not. It's the same cost. But that's every that's year. The point of the, the fares is to help pay for that. Based on the fuel, <laughs> and if taxpayers are paying for it, the fares are supposed to offset the cost to the ta taxpayer, right? Right. I mean, you are you saying like uh, transit, like uh, like subway should be free? Is that what you're saying? Right. That's what you're saying. That's what I'm saying. Okay. It's mass transportation. Tell me one uh, one one uh, subway in the, in the world that's free. Don't think there's there one. there isn't, but I I think that that would be a better policy if they're gonna if they're going to use the argument of the taxpayers, then make it free. If you're worried about costing the taxpayers millions, it's already costing the taxpayers. That's millions. the point. They want that money. Right. I understand that. I do. I do get that. They that they want that money. I get it. And it's a it's a two dollar and seventy five cent fare, you know. Which is cheap. Pay the it, damn fine. Pay the fare. Well, the fine is a hundred dollar ticket. That's what this article ah. said. Yeah. And, but, I mean, the transit cops are sitting there. They're not doing anything. Transit cops aren't doing anything. Uh, in one instance, a man wearing a backpack strolled into the station through an exit door as a woman walked out. An officer could be heard confronting the man. Why did you walk through the gate? 
quote, it, I, it was open. I don't know. He replied, and the cop wrote him a $100 ticket. Is it worth the $100, a videographer asked? Quote, I got a better job than you, so yeah, the man shot back. God, New Yorkers are such dicks. <laughs> he was one of only three fare beaters who was stopped by cops at the station. Quote, by starving the tr uh, public transportation system of funds, fare evasion is a crime against ordinary New Yorkers who pay their fare. MTA spokesman Aaron Donovan said. That's why the NYPD and New York City Transit uh, deployed uh, enforcement teams to combat bus and subway fare evasion on a daily basis. It's easier to pay the $275 than a $100 fine. The MTA's report on fare evasion released this week is the latest blow to the troubled transportation system, which has seen soaring crime and rampant homelessness. Mayor Eric Adams, who took office in January, has acknowledged that many New Yorkers are afraid to take the subway and outlined a plan Friday to address the anarchy that has taken hold. Yeah, fare beaters could uh, cost the city an estimated $179 million in the last six months. And I, I, I see uh, EK's point. It's like they're whining about money they, don't, they didn't get. <laughs> Anyway, the estimated fare evasion rate on subways has declined from 13.6 in the third quarter of 2020 to 7.9 in the fourth quarter of 2021, according to MTA. On buses, the numbers of estimated fare evaders has shot up 18% in the fourth quarter of 2019 to 26.7% for the same period in 2021. People would rather ride buses, I guess. I guess maybe the homeless people don't. Yeah, that's what I mean. I think homeless people, they, they get in the subway and just stay there. I got to roust them once the train's done for the day or whatever. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> anyway. So, yeah, cities are becoming real hell holes. <laughs> They're turning into those third world shitholes. Y'all got so pissed off about Trump about saying that. It's like, we're going to show you how to do third world shithole. <laughs> I'll show you a shithole. Yeah, exactly. Like San Francisco in the poop map. Anyway. Let's talk about something surprising. California school district breaks mask op, uh, makes mask optional for students. Breaks within a Newsom statewide mandate. A California school district voted to make uh, masks optional for students inside the classroom, breaking with Governor Gavin Newsom's statewide indoor school mask mandate, and, uh, with a school board official telling Fox News that parents sh should, quote, have the right to decide what is best for their children. A Californian said that? Anyway, the school board for the Rancho Santa Fe School District, which enrolls about 500 elementary school stu students, so not many, voted 3-2 to two during a meeting this week to make mask wearing optional, giving parents the chance to decide whether the children should wear face coverings when at school. Quote, it's important that we listen to the parents in our community. That is why we, uh, they were elected to the board, to be their voice. What? Board Vice President Annette Ross told Fox News. This is shocking to me. When was the last time you heard someone say this? They have stood uh, They have stood before our board in tears asking us to offer a mask option. Uh, Ross, who voted in favor of making masks optional in schools, told Fox News that the school board is feeling an outpouring of support. I have no doubt. Quote, our decision was met with a standing ovation, she, she said. Ross, a mother of five and an author, told Fox News that two years into the COVID-19 pandemic, Quote, the conversation about the dangers of COVID, but the problems created by masking. We know that they need, uh, that they need for speech therapy has skyrocketed all over the country because of the mask. Ross explained. Children, younger children especially, have suffered from not seeing the faces of their teachers, and often they're unable to pick up on social cues. Exactly. 
You're raising a generation of sociopaths now because of this shit. Anyway, <laughs> Ross added that the test scores are down all over the state and said children are stunted emotionally and many are in fear. Quote, parents say they cry before going to school, Ross said. We have created a population of children with anxiety, and we have missed the smiles on our, of our students for the last two years. That line is the most important, I think. You know, I asked the question, I was in the grocery store, and I was asking this question to this girl, and I could just tell, even with her with mask on her face, I was like, you are hottie. And I'm pissed. I was pissed off I didn't get to see her whole face. Because, you know, beauty should be shown. You know, kids are beautiful. You know, they should be smiling. We should, and we should be able to see it. You know, it affects me too. <laughs> I want to see my niece smile in public. <laughs> you know? All right. Uh, Ross told Fox News that he, uh, she feels parents should have the right to decide what is best for their children. Parents are their strongest advocate, she said. And from, t from the time a child is born, every health decision for a child is made by the parent or guardian. Yeah, not the state. <laughs> she went on to say uh, they could choose best how to protect them, what is troublesome, is how, how how much of what was compromised to put into question and put into question during the pandemic. Ross, though, told Fox News that she absolutely believed masks were an important part of protection of the pan when the pandemic began. Sure, I can argue that as well. But even then, I think it should always have been optional. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. Uh, quote, none of us, not even health officials who said differently, really understood what we're up against, but we have far surpassed that time. Yes. Ross, in a swipe at Newsom, said the governor did, uh, does not even mask at large sporting events. <laughs> the Super Bowl was full of faces with no mask coverings. The mask mandate was lifted for everyone but students. Why are they the ones who are punished? Ross said, this is nonsensical because Democrats hate kids. You know, all those masks you see that says mama hates wine. It's like that always sunny in Philadelphia joke. I like mama needs wine. It means that well, mothers are alcoholics. They hate their children. <laughs> you know, <laughs> It's a brilliant joke because it's so true. You know, plus they like killing them in the womb. Uh, Ross told Fox News is that it's important to follow the law, but as thinking individuals, we also have to discern right from wrong. California's mask mandate was implemented during a state of emergency at the onset of the pandemic, like pretty much everyone. Quote, the pandemic is now endemic and no longer qualifies as a state of emergency, she said. She doesn't even sound like a doctor, but she's right. Wow. Quote, the men who signed the Declaration of Independence were not popular. Some gave their lives and lost everything because they believed in freedom. Quote, what they did is, what we did was a baby step, but the right example to set for our students in our community, Ross said. Meanwhile, as for parents who feel the children should continue wearing masks inside the classroom, Ross said, wear them. Go ahead. We don't care if you're crazy. You still need an education. You know, if you're, if you're crazy, you still need an, ed an education. Because a lot of us are crazy. Most everyone is crazy. <laughs> if that's how you're crazy, fine. You still need an education to make a living in the world. You know what I'm saying? And so the option is a choice, and I hope the community can respect, this is a quote, can respect that we make, the, uh, we might make different choices, Ross said, adding that this is a wonderful teaching opportunity for our students. Uh, we as adults should demonstrate civil discourse. We can disagree, but still support one another. That is freedom, and I believe we can do it. Amazing. Wow. And, of course, this is, that was the second-to-last news story, a little upbeat thing. Now this last one, just to make you go aw and leave, leave on a happy note. 
10-year-old makes chemo comfort bags for patients after seeing her grandfather fight cancer. A thoughtful 10-year-old is dedicating her time crafting com uh, chemo comfort bags for hospital patients after seeing her grandfather battle pancreatic cancer. Sophie, uh, Sophie Enderton of Niagara County told Fox News Digital that she wanted to she decided she wanted to brighten the days of chemotherapy patients shortly after her grandfather, Terry, explained what the treatment is and why it's challenging for people. Sophie learned of, her, of Terry's diagnosis in October 2021 and sent out, set out to make comfort bags for chemo patients over the holiday season. With help from her family, Sophie put together crocheted bags and filled, uh, filled each with items that were meant to enhance comfort, including blankets, small pillows, games, word searches, cozy socks, and mitts. Uh, quote, my husband and I are so proud that Sophie wanted to give back. Mo Sophie's mother, Jillian uh, Enderton, told Fox News Digital in a phone interview. She saw others struggling, and she wanted to uh, be a change and help them. In December, Sophie and her family donated 10 comfort bags to chemo patients at the Roswell Park Comprehensive Cancer Center, which is in the same hospital uh, Grandpa Terry received treatment in Buffalo, New York. <clears throat> The Endertons are currently putting together comfort bags with a new goal of delivering 20 bags to pediatric and uh, adult cancer patients by the end of March in honor of Terry's birthday. Quote, Sophie and her grandpa are super close, and I think this helps her stay close to him now that he's passed away. Aw. Man, blindsided me with that. Noted that he died on December 15, 2021. Community members have donated uh, money and items to Sophie's comfort bag project, and this time the fifth grader hopes to add cards and other personalized touches to care to the care packages quote i received thank you notes but i never know who the bags went to so he told fox news digital one of the notes came from a patient and another note came from roswell park according to jillian when asked how how it feels to see your comfort bags are making a difference in people's lives sophie said it feels so nice fox news digital reached out to roswell park comprehensive cancer cancer center for comment uh Sophie would like to continue her comfort, chemo comfort bag initiative and is considering a future where she works with nonprofits and helps raise money for important causes. Quote, she likes to be in charge, so she'll be good at that, Jillian told Fox. Uh, went on to say, I'm part of a few nonprofit committees in our community, so maybe, hopefully, she wanted to follow in my footsteps a little bit. I don't think I was aware as she, was, as she is of what's going on. A memory, of, a memory that Sophie always holds dear to our heart Involves a long car ride, car ride in her fa grandfather's red Corvette. Nice. Quote, he would pick her up from school in it. That's awesome. Your grandpa's awesome. Was awesome. God rest his soul. Jillian said, Sophie loves seeing him waiting for her. That is so, that's such a touch. I teared up a little. Got a little misty reading that story. You know, and, you know, it, it, the mom talks is like, yeah, I'm, you know, I give back to the community as well. And that's, you know, po a positive influence on her little girl and makes her want to get involved. And I mean, when it comes to charity and things like that, it's the, um, it, it usually is something close to your, your, your life, something that has impacted your life. Like I have neurofibromatosis, if you don't know. And so, I mean, frequently I've, I've thought about when I had money, I thought about donating to NF research, neurofibromatosis research. And it's because, you know, I suffer from it and suffer is a, I have a very mild case of it. I'm lucky that way. But, I mean, it could have been way worse for me. So, I mean, it's uh, it usually is something close and near and dear to your heart. And and I think that that's, like, that's where charity begins in many ways. It stirs in your heart. It's like, hey, this is the difference I want to make in the world. And I'm just I'm, I'm glad you're doing something, Sophie. You're an amazing little girl.
Anyway, this is going to be the end of the show. I want to remind you again to go over to patreon.com slash shockmonkeyradio. Become a patron. I would appreciate it very much. You can also send me money through Cash App. Use the hashtag shockmonkeyradio, all one word. I'd appreciate that. You can email me at madman at fxbgpr.com. And there, uh, I, I, maybe one day I can read you read an email of yours on the on the mailbag segment. And, uh, yeah, uh, please like, share, and subscribe. You know, uh, I not only do I post this on, on YouTube, I go live to YouTube, but like in like two days, I'll post it up on a um, bit shoot as well. And I get 20 to 50 times the amount of views on bit shoot than I do on YouTube. All right. And it's not because a bit shoot is a more of an audience to, to, that's catered to me. It's just because I know I'm being deranked in the algorithm of YouTube. You know, I know it. And it's like, it's obvious. I'll get four views on a video on YouTube and I get 50 views on a video on BitChute. Okay. It makes no sense. It makes absolutely no sense. But <clears throat> please like, share, and subscribe. You know, I don't care if you share the BitChute one or, or the or the YouTube one. It's not like I'm going to get, make, you know, get monetized that way. That's why I have a Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash shockmonkeyradio. Anyway. So this is the end of the show. Uh, this has been Shock Monkey Radio. I'm the madman and I love you. <laughs>